So this Christmas, we're in a message series which have been titled Jesus the Messiah. And in this series, we're looking at prophecies of Old Testament prophets concerning the coming, coming Messiah. Now, the Messiah the prophets spoke of is often referred to as the Anointed One. The prophets talk about him as being a king. They talk about him as being a savior uh, of the people of God. And at the time, about 2,000 years ago, before Jesus was born, the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah. They were under Roman rule. They wanted a king to come, somebody to set them free from the Roman oppression, somebody who could uh, lead them into the ways of God. But the prophets in the Old Testament also spoke of the Messiah, not just as a king, not just as a savior, but as a suffering servant. The prophets spoke of this, this messianic suffering servant most extensively in Isaiah chapters 52 and 53. And in fact, these two chapters are quoted in the New Testament more than any other passage in the Old Testament. And so the first century Jews had, had difficulty reconciling the Messiah as his conquering king and the Messiah as a suffering servant. And they couldn't put the two together. They didn't understand. But the two aspects of the Messiah do come together in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago as a suffering servant. He didn't come as a king. He came as a suffering servant who gave his life as a sacrifice that our sins might be forgiven. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords. And one day, he's promised to return. And he's going to return as this King of kings, as this Lord of lords. And his kingdom will then be fully realized when he returns again. And so both aspects of the Messianic prophecies find their fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to talk about the Messiah's sacrifice. We're going to look, about, look at a, a prophecy in Isaiah about Jesus as the suffering servant of God. We're going to look at a couple verses here before we get into the message in Isaiah chapter 52. I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the scriptures written out as well as the outline. On the back are study questions that you can use in your personal Bible study, daily Bible study. And they're also used in some of the life groups as well. Isaiah 52 says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. And so the Messiah, who we now know as Jesus Christ, was God's servant. He served God. He did what God wanted him to do. Everything he does is wise. And since Jesus was God's servant, he actually served the disciples. He acted as a servant to the people on earth. But this verse also says that he's going to be raised. He's going to be highly exalted in the future. So he was a servant and he would be highly exalted. Verse 14 says, Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. And so this servant who was to be highly exalted was going to, we know now, be crucified. He was going to be whipped. He was going to be, have a crown of thorns put on his head. 
his appearance was going to be disfigured as people took out their anger, their frustration on the very Son of God. But this was no surprise to Jesus Christ. He knew what was coming. It was no surprise to God the Father. It was part of God's plan of salvation. Verse 15, and so he will sprinkle. This Messiah will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. And so the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Messiah that was shed on that cross was, as it were, sprinkled on many nations. His death was a sacrifice that provided salvation for everyone who would believe. And so when Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago, as a baby in the manger, he was born to give his life, to give his life as a sacrifice, as a Messiah. And that sacrifice would make it possible for the sins of mankind to be forgiven, for people to have, a eternal, have an eternal relationship with God because of what Jesus did in the sacrifice that he laid down. And so today we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 53, the next section of this prophecy by Isaiah, and it describes the Messiah as a suffering servant. And this suffering servant and his sacrifice are really the defining point in human history. Human history was looking forward to until that point, and now we look back on. So when the Messiah came to his people, the prophet spoke of him as being rejected, Verse 53, uh, chapter 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? You know, when Jesus came to Israel as he began his ministry, people had been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. The majority of Jews did not believe in him. When their Messiah came, they did not believe in him. Jesus performed many miracles of healing. He fed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. He raised people from the dead, and yet they still would not believe. The arm of the Lord was revealed. His power was revealed in Jesus' ministry, and yet people did not believe in him as the coming Messiah. They chose to reject him. One of the reasons was that Jesus appeared as an ordinary man. It says, verse 2, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And so Jesus was born in humble circumstances. He didn't arise with a, uh, a great prominence. Most of the people around him probably thought that Jesus was born out of wedlock. You see, his mother was not married when she became pregnant. Jesus' parents were ordinary folk. Everybody knew them. They came from a small town, a small town of Nazareth. And I hope I don't pop anybody's bubble, but despite the Christmas cards you've seen and the paintings you've viewed, Jesus didn't have a halo over his head everywhere he went. He was just an ordinary, per ordinary person. According to this verse, he was not exceptional in appearance. He was not exceptionally handsome. He didn't stand out in a crowd. He wasn't particularly attractive, just an ordinary-looking man from an ordinary Jewish family. 
In fact, Jesus was a man of sorrows. Verse 3, it says he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. I'm familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. And so the people heard his teaching. The people saw his miracles. And yet many did not accept him. In fact, they despised him. They rejected him. They chose not to believe in him. On the day of his crucifixion, the people of Israel had a choice to make. Would Barabbas be crucified or Jesus? And they chose to have Jesus be crucified rather than a known murderer. Of the twelve disciples Jesus handpicked, one turned on him and betrayed him for money. The life of the Messiah on earth was one of suffering, one of sorrows in many, many ways. Jesus had done many miraculous signs among the Jews. They still refused to believe in him. John, in writing his gospel, says in verse 38, chapter 12, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, that the people rejected the one who had worked miracles in their midst. The prophet, Lord, who has believed our message, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. And so John recognized that Isaiah had prophesied hundreds of years before what would happen as the Jewish nation rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And in fact, things are similar today. Jesus still works miracles through his church, and yet many people refuse to believe in him. The majority of people today think Jesus was just an ordinary man. He'd said some good things. He did some good things. They refuse to believe that Jesus was and is the Son of God, the one who came from heaven and rose from the dead to return to heaven. And yet, some do believe. The Bible tells us that the road to salvation, the road to faith, is a narrow road. And a few do believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They choose to walk along with him on that path to true life. And so our mission, as Jesus' mission was, is to be uh, a witness for this Messiah. To a generation that has not recognized him. That many want nothing to do with him. And Jesus warned us. As he was rejected, as he was despised, so we also will be rejected and despised by following in his footsteps, by teaching the gospel to others, by being a witness. And yet, we don't live for the praise of men. We live for the praise of God. And God will reward us. And there will be those who come into the family of God through our witness as we are faithful to follow him just as Jesus did. And so not only was the Messiah rejected, but the Messiah died for our sins. Verse 4 says, Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. And yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. And so as this suffering servant, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus, as this man of sorrows, would take our infirmities, our sicknesses and sorrows upon himself. 
in his death. And in a way that's difficult to fathom, it was God who struck Jesus. It says he was stricken by God. It was God who poured out the punishment for our sins on Jesus on the cross. Jesus took our sins upon himself. The Bible says he became sin for us and God turned his gaze from Jesus. He couldn't look upon him and left him there alone. And yet in that awful moment, Jesus' death brings healing. Verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And so the great suffering that Jesus endured on the cross speaks here of him being pierced by the lance in his side. Both the physical, spiritual, emotional suffering that Jesus endured on the cross was really unimaginable. The sins of all mankind from the beginning of creation until Jesus returns again. All of those sins, all those horrible things that people have done were laid upon Jesus. And the wrath of God was poured out on him on that cross. Jesus knew what was coming and yet he chose to go to the cross. He chose to endure it for our transgressions, for yours and mine, for our sins, because he loved us so much. He took the punishment. He endured the wrath of God so that God's wrath could land on him and be averted from those who believe so that we could experience peace with God. He brought us peace, peace between us and God. Jesus' death and the wounds he received bring healing and bring wholeness to every believer, all because of the sacrifice of the Messiah. Not only does Jesus' death bring healing, but it brings forgiveness. Verse 6, it says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, on the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. And so it says, we all, everyone, everyone who's ever lived is like a sheep who stopped following their shepherd. It's like a sheep that went astray to do their own thing. Each person, every, every one of us has strayed from God's plan for our lives. We have done what we wanted to do. We've gone our own way. We haven't followed God's plan. The Bible calls that sin. And that sin, that iniquity is what was laid on Jesus on the cross by the Father. And so Jesus took every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that you ever will commit upon himself on that cross. And he bore the wrath of God, the punishment of God for that sin. The terrors of eternal death and hell were experienced by Jesus on the cross in a brief period of time. And he did it so that we would have an opportunity to repent, to be forgiven, to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to return to following our shepherd. Gone astray, Jesus gave the opportunity to return. And so the Messiah died for your sins and my sins. 
to bring us peace with God. Peter quotes from Isaiah, or from the basic idea of Isaiah here in 1 Peter 2.24. Speaking of Jesus the Messiah, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And so Jesus died not only so that we could be forgiven for the sins we've done in the past, but so that we could no longer live in sin, so that we could live in righteousness, so we can live in a way pleasing and holy to God. He died so that we might be healed of the effects of sin in our lives, so that our guilt might be taken away, so that our minds might be, our conscience might be cleared so that our bodies might be healed, so that we might be healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually, be set free from sin, from sickness. During Jesus' ministry on earth, he forgave sins and he healed the sick, cast out demons. And he continues to do the same through his ministry in his church today, through the Spirit, and continue to do that until he returns again and so we need to believe, we need to be witnesses to the forgiveness of Jesus and the healing power of the Messiah. Now, as the Messiah died on the cross for our sins, he was, in effect, God's sacrificial lamb. Verse 7, speaking of the Messiah, and this was written, remember, hundreds of years before the events happened, says he was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. So in the Old Testament, God had set up a system of human, uh, of, not, sorry, of animal sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. And so animals were sacrificed, and that took away the people's sins for a season, but they had to be sacrificed over and over again. They were, not in a, they were not effective in and of themselves. You see, they were looking forward to the ultimate sacrifice, to the sacrifice of the Messiah. That would bring final forgiveness. And so Jesus, the Bible says, in many places was the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, whose death as a sacrifice would take away the sin of the world. When Jesus was put on trial, did he vigorously defend himself? Did he argue with the high priest? No, the Bible says he was, as Isaiah prophesied, he was silent. He did not open his mouth. He did not give a defense. He accepted the cross as his purpose, as his mission. That's why he came. He was not going to sidestep it. As a sacrificial lamb, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice Verse 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And so the reason that Jesus the Messiah could die for your sins and my sins was that he was without any sin of his own. If you do a survey of people in America today, most people will say, well, he must have sinned. You know, he was a person. If Jesus sinned, then his sacrifice would have been of no avail, other than any other, other than the two thieves who were crucified on his right and left. 
but the prophet Isaiah and the New Testament testify that Jesus never sinned. He never did or said one thing wrong. No one could bring an accusation against him. He was the perfect, unblemished sacrifice. And since he had no sin of his own, he could pay for your sins and my sins. He was crucified between two criminals. And a rich man, Joseph Arimathea, put up a tomb for him to be buried in, just as Isaiah had prophesied. Jesus' death was God's will. Verse 10, and says, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And so Jesus' death was part of God's plan. It was in place before the creation of the world, the Bible tells us. Jesus' crucifixion was no sacrifice or no surprise to God. It was no surprise to Jesus. He submitted his will to the Father's will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to go through this for you and for the people that I love. I'm going to offer up my life as a, a guilt offering for the sins of the world. But notice in this verse, we see a promise beyond the death of the Messiah in the second part. It says the Messiah will have offspring. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. Who are these offspring? Well, these offspring are children of God. These offspring are you and me, those who have believed in him down through the thousands of years since he died and rose again. God will prolong his days forever. He rose, rose him from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead, and he lives today forever and ever. And so Jesus is alive today. He rules and reigns, and he carries out the Lord's will, which prospers in his hand. John the Apostle puts it this way in 1 John 4.10. He says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so as we better understand the Messiah's sacrifice, we have, we have much to be grateful for this Christmas. We need to celebrate Christmas with the cross in mind because that is the ultimate reason why Jesus was born. Jesus came to this earth because God so loved the world. Because God loved you, he loved me, and he loves every person with no exception. He wants people to become his children, even though they've sinned, even though they've rejected him, even though... They've gone astray like sheep. Jesus came. He willingly laid down his life so they'd have an opportunity to repent, to turn from their ways, to come to follow him as their shepherd. And so I think sometimes we don't reflect enough on what Jesus has done for us. There's a reason we are to remember his sacrifice on the cross as the Messiah. 
I think we need to give thanks for what he's done, to appreciate the great sacrifice. And as we remember, as we look back on what he's done, as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, it's going to help us live for him today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. As we're grateful for what Christ has done for us, it's going to motivate us to tell somebody else. And not be afraid of offending somebody by telling them the truth, although some will be offended. Some will reject our message, but some will believe. And their lives on this earth and their eternal destiny will be changed forever. And so may we remember the Messiah's sacrifice, even as we celebrate Christmas, even as we exchange cards and gifts. May we remember what Jesus' ultimate mission was and how he's brought us into eternal life as the children of God. And so to have a relationship with the Messiah, we need to do three things. We need to admit that you've sinned, that you've been like a sheep that's gone astray. That's true of everybody. You need to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, took the punishment of God upon himself that you might be set free and commit your life to following him as your shepherd, as your Lord. So let's bow our heads right now. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, if you've never committed yourself to Jesus the Messiah, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Perhaps if you feel you've strayed some from your walk with God, you might want to recommit your life today as well. It's never out of place to recommit your life to the Lord. So let's pray. Father, today we admit that we have sinned, that we have gone astray. We followed our own way and not yours. Please forgive us. We believe that you died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord, as my shepherd, all the days of my life. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the prophets that heard from you thousands of years ago and prophesied about the coming Messiah. We thank you for Jesus who came as that Messiah, who came out of love for all of us, for the whole world, and yet was rejected by many. We are grateful today on this Christmas season for his great sacrifice that brought forgiveness for our sins. We pray, God, that you'd bring healing, that you bring wholeness today to everyone who needs your touch. May our relationship with Jesus be strengthened this Christmas season. May we not get caught up in all the busyness and forget you. May we take time to reflect on the true meaning of Christmas in our own lives, in our own families. And may we be bold witnesses for you during this Christmas season because we have a ready-made opportunity to talk about Christ, to talk about Christ the Messiah, talk about Jesus and why he came, why he was born. Give us opportunities to invite others to church this season as well. 
We thank you, God, for what you're going to do as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In his name we pray. Amen.